0: What's up and welcome back to Now Style Japan. Giving you your weekly look of what's going on, pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan joined by my co-host. Oh uh, he looks malnourished, Dave Martin Swagger. Dave, how you doing, man? Is that a Tyler reference? Oh yeah. Okay. okay I was gonna say. Well <laughs> what's your name? Let's
1: go, song? baby. Let's go. What a, what a, what a weekend we've just had. Yeah. Music I mean drops. Uh, the box office saved once again. It's a good time.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's funny because uh, we've been doing our ranking podcast and we we were like, ah, Tyler, the creator, you know, dropping this new track. Let's get that. Let's get the rankings done. An artist we've been talking about. And then he's like, oh, I'll also grace you right away with Call Me If You Get Lost, his new album, which we're going to be talking about here in a second. Very exciting. And just within that time, too, we also had her drop her debut album. Who would have thought? You don't say.
1: <laughs> Multi Grammy winner debut yeah, album
0: probably gonna be a, a new artist at the Grammys this year. You know, her, <laughs> her and Jay Z uh, up for uh, you know the th- that award. But anyways, uh, if you want to follow, uh, you know, go go watch those ranking videos. Tyler the Creator, Jay Cole, go watch our reviews of some of the artists that we're gonna be talking about today. If you want to catch up on some of their older stuff where we talk about them that subscribe on youtube.com slash nostalgia pod or go to uh, soundcloud.com slash where you can find all the ways to listen to the podcast and dave we are starting off with an artist we've talked about before ski mask the slump god out of, out of the clouds dropping his uh newest mixtapes in the city what what do you think in a minute
1: since ski mask dropped anything we talked about his most uh, recent mixtape, The Book of Eli, as well as his debut album, Stokely, back in 2018, because that's when they came out. There's been nothing since the end of 2018 from Ski, apart from a handful of features and uh, some like snippets and stuff. It's It's been a while. Definitely not the norm for a Ascendant rapper in his early 20s.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yet Ski Mask seemed to take some time off. Maybe that was also COVID-induced, I'm not sure but now he's back with a quick little taster and he says we have his proper second album still to come soon which is exciting to hear he does not plan on having a hiatus or wait as long as this again which which is awesome but yeah it's a new ski project it's been a while
0: yeah and you know um I, when you sent it to me on instagram that was how you shared the news with me with the cover i was like Ah, okay. He's going for a little uh, Sin City. what's that a 2006 movie? Very uh, stylized. 05. Yeah, Frank Seven Miller. Five. That's exactly what he's referencing. Yeah, and uh, it it kind of set the tone for what I was expecting with this, and I think it really delivered on that tone. You know, it's a it, it, ski mask. Always is kind of you know unique in himself. I mean, I think when what we liked about some of his music is that. It, not a lot of other artists sound like him completely, and that kind of continues, at least in my opinion, on this. Because while I think there are some tracks that are a little, maybe a little more in that traditional rap lane, there's still some moments that I felt like were um, had that like dark edge to them. Uh, he comes across very, very hard on this, uh, I thought, um, and overall, I just thought it was a you know a good mixtape, kind of wetting our whistle for more to come. How did you feel about listening to uh, Sin City, though?
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's not anything new from Ski Mask, and I guess I should have just had different expectations because I was slightly, I guess, let down by the fact that ah, it's just more Ski Mask, you know. Like there, I don't think he was super ambitious with this. It's more like a hey, remember me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Thinking back on Stokely. Stokely had like three platinum hits, but when you think about what those hits are, it's Faucet Failure, Foot Fungus, and Nuketown, not exactly uh, mainstream rap sounds. No. And he's largely continuing that kind of thing on this. I just don't think there's uh, songs that will be as popular as the songs I just mentioned on Sin City. Uh, But, you know, a song like uh, The Matrix, get those hard-hitting 808s from Ronnie J., very reminiscent of what you expect from ski mask songs and he kind of has that uh his trademark flow where he like does a lot of heavy ad-libs um but yeah i think for me the matrix and then also fire hazard again another good example of his flow those are songs that stood out to me but i don't think there's anything that's gonna resemble his most popular songs in this so we'll just have to hope that album two delivers more uh more more uh amb- ambition more promise because we know he's talented but this kind of feels like running in place a little bit
0: yeah i uh, i agree i think those two tracks you like mentioned are probably the two that feel uh most in line with kind of what you expect from ski mask although i feel like a song like uh merlin's staff so you know is something where he's doing something a little different he's trying something a little more like groovy uh, he's got some interesting production choices there's like some wind instruments in the background like a whistle kind of so he's adding some elements maybe starting to test some things out um i also thought the uh the second track dr Seuss just like a a old school type like rap song where it's like this pretty simple beat um and he's just going the whole time taking his time with the flow and i thought it was pretty good so overall i was like this is a, this is fine. Like I'm not necessarily blown away by it, but I'm like, it's nice to have Ski Mask back, I guess. Yeah, totally. So hype for second album. Seems like and he now, wants to be more active again. That's great. Absolutely. And now Dave, we're going to transition from Ski Mask to uh, a counterpart of Ski Mask that many people associate, Lucy Dacus, or at least it's actually Dacus. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think it one is Dacus, the, actually. Is it? <laughs> I looked up an interview she did and she said Dacus. So I All think right. it's that's right. Uh, I'm going to trust Lucy Dacus on pronouncing her name correctly. Um, One would think. Yeah, Dropping home video. And the last time we talked about her was obviously Boy Genius, the trio of Phoebe Bridgers, uh, Lucy Dacus, and Julian Baker, who we just go. talked about. And... Yeah, you know, this is interesting. This is a bit of a concept album in a sense where she's really looking at this like I don't know if nostalgic is the right word but this memory of a time when being a like a catholic girl in the early 2000s she was <laughs> kind of told not to like consume certain media by her pastors and things like that. So there's some like interesting elements to it and she's obviously kind of reminiscing about uh you know, teenage puberty type time. So there's a lot of different emotions that come up um i think throughout but i was i was interested as we were going through because she, she tries some things on this album and i was like this doesn't seem like an album dave would like but th- it, does she do enough here to keep dave's interest so how did you feel about it
1: yeah definitely not my cup of tea usually mm-hmm. uh lucy dacus i think we did not talk about her second album historian from 2018 but if you look on streaming her most popular song is from that project night shift and you listen to that and to me like i get the i get the idea this is very reminiscent of modern indie rock to me like this is this is what i expect and then listening to home video it's more or less still what i expect from a genre that usually isn't for me it's pleasant it has moments of really good songwriting but the singing is largely understated as it's more of a focus on the singing Mm -hmm. but as you said there are a moment or two that stand out just for the uniqueness i think in general um was it woke up or no sorry first time uh the the third track i like that because that woke me up with those really heavy guitars i was like the first two tracks i was like all right these are pretty slow indie songs not my thing mm-hmm. and like she starts strumming i'm like all right thank god but yeah. i think the, the, the clear uh head scratch or whatever is is thumbs because i'm mm-hmm. oh, no, sorry is a partner in crime because of the auto tune which yeah. i would never even have suspected from lucy or julian baker or
0: anyone in this space you know yeah it, i i had that written down as a song i wanted to really bring up to see how that worked for you because i think there's probably a lot of people who look at that song and like you said, it's, it's non-traditional for this style. So it's Mm -hmm. like, "Eh, I'm not sure that would work. I actually thought it worked out pretty well. It kind of created this like haziness and like a real like recollection of a dream in my opinion. So I felt like it was like an okay touch, definitely unique uh, for sure. Um, I agree with you about uh, first time. I think that was, that was like the first song that really popped out because it was more upbeat to me. but the end of VBS reminds me a lot of Night Shift in a sense, because the song is a bit meandering and kind of taking along. And then like the last like 30 seconds or so, it's like this really, I don't know, like this buildup to this like hard, it's hard, like distorted guitar, like shredding kind of. And then like going back to the chorus, which I thought was pretty good um, and definitely caught my ear as well. But, you know, I think the hard part is, We've had albums now from Julian Baker, which we thought was pretty good. We've had Phoebe uh, Phoebe Bridgers um, last year, last year. And I think I've gone back to Phoebe a lot more. And she obviously is like the anointed one within indie, mm-hmm. female indie rock, it seems. Definitely the most popular of this whole, whole whole crew, of which there are many. But even like Soccer Mommy, you know, yeah. is I think just doing stuff within indie rock that i find a little bit more interesting and a little bit more ear popping than, than this album and i i left a lot of the songs just kind of being like eh, a bit of a yawner or it eh, didn't really not not memorable for me and that's just yeah. kind of how i left with this but I, the thing is you always go back and you're like oh these are always really competently made songs like always quality so right. yeah i think that's the thing it,
1: it's a matador records album and it sounds like right like, you know yeah like apart from a r- very rare use of autotune otherwise mm-hmm. it's kind of in line with expectations this has to really be your kind of shit i feel like to to get a lot out of you you know um and she's not she's not quite as sad uh lyrically as julian but she also yeah. i think she doesn't quite have like like the dry humor or like the the, the bite no. of phoebe not to just no. compare it to all her contemporaries but like I guess she's kind of the in the middle of the boy genius group to me, you know yeah,
0: and yeah, like she I guess
1: she has like funny lines too, but it, it's just a kind of a more softer overall sound that don't quite jump out to me as much, mm-hmm. but maybe to other people they do,
0: yeah, and you know it, in some ways, I think it's like almost unfair that we are comparing her to them because obviously they're all distinct artists in their own, right, but it's easy to lump them together because not only are they in a band together but uh their style is very similar and something like Kyoto stands out to me so much more than anything on this just because it's taking more risks and is like uh it's swerving when you're expecting Phoebe just to be sad. It's like this upbeat, almost like mm-hmm. uh you know, fun song, which you <laughs> don't expect going to these albums. So I don't know. It's I think this is still worth listening to if you dig this this genre, but um I think there are some better releases out there. But shout out to Lucy. I like her. You know, and I hope Boy Genius makes more music together in the future. Yeah, but yeah. a full album, you know. You know, maybe maybe that's coming up. They've
1: all released uh, their own solo albums post the Boy Genius EP. Now it's
0: time to bring it all
1: together once more and take over.
0: Bring it all together and then tour so I can see you. But mm. Dave, it's time to jump to an artist that man I, we've been waiting for i think this this drop since uh, 2019's diaspora that's gold link with haram exclamation <laughs> point yeah woo um, <laughs> and yeah diaspora was one of our favorite records 2019 you know i think well, when i when i've gone back to it i've always been impressed just with how how it blends a bunch of different genres together how it Flows so succinctly, and it feels just like a, like a groovy kind of dance party. Listening back to it. at least, um, that's how I experienced it. We just to kind of set the stage. Diaspora for you, when you think about it, like what stands out?
1: Yeah, it's definitely the molding of sounds. Right, Goldlink stands out for like that traditional DMV rap flow, but he, on Diaspora, which was his debut album her like label definitions but he had you know he had a bunch of mixtapes out before that he managed to bring in all those other sounds notably afrobeat dancehall and make something really cool there's a lot of really memorable songs in diaspora like you say with tyler and joke ting and Mm -hmm. a lot of um zulu screams was it Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of memorable memorable stuff there memorable moments there it's funny because thinking about gold lake as an artist and then juxtaposing it with Goldlink as like a member of the rap world where he's quite messy and not the most popular like he 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 has some enemies because of things he said Goldlink like he he openly is beefing with Check West that comes up on Haram yeah. he said some th- things about I believe Mac Miller in the past like so, so some people don't like Goldlink you know but it, it's kind of unfortunate that that's the way he's perceived by many because i think he does a, he's making a lot of interesting music and i did not see a lot of press for her which i find very disappointing
0: yeah th- this snuck up on me a bit as well and um you know I, I think just to kind of switch gears when or i guess move into this album i was very much looking forward to this and i felt like there were moments on this that caught some of that high of diaspora but Ram falls short for me. And I think it's almost a bit due to the sequencing of the album, you know, because that for me listening to this, the first like, mm, like five or six tracks kind of have that same feel of Diaspora. You know, the, the, the songs all flow together. They transition really well. It's bringing in different sounds, different vibes, but it, blending it really well. And then I, I think it's when you get to twin. Yeah. Twin and, and girl Pacino for me the album just seems to lose a lot of momentum at least uh, upon my you know the the one listen i was able to get through for it and then i, I felt like it didn't never picked it back up completely and there are, are some other moments after that that really stood out but those two just have like a a lighter sound to me maybe slowed down a little bit and i just wasn't able to get back into it as much what was your experience with rob
1: yeah it's definitely all over the place right um and that, that kind of struck me. Early on, he's like, his vocals, Golding's vocals are really distorted. I was mm-hmm. like, huh, that's not usually something I expect from you. Like, if this was a Ski Mask song, it would make more sense to me. And I, I didn't think it was working all that much on, like, extra clip where, like, you told me Emily Chapa was featured, but uh I, I didn't notice, to <laughs> put it bluntly. But then he, it, it starts to, I think it starts to change. You know, I think I remember on Terror Dome for me. And, you know, you get a was it uh, the next song Evian Evian yep. you have like more of a deep house beat and he he's done a lot of that kind of stuff before remember he was featured on Kate Renata's last album Bubba for example. Yeah. He's used electronic production before. I think he really rides it well. And I like that song. But then at that moment as well, you know thinking about diaspora, the afrobeat the the dance hall melding was really I think present and like focused throughout the album. That's why the album was so good on haram he does start to bring in some other stuff but it's not nearly as focused or consistent i think this time it just happens to be that he brings a lot of english rappers on here mm-hmm. and we get some like uk <laughs> drillers and stuff and it's like and i'm not, not even the most famous kind either which i think is really admirable and i'm like huh i actually really like this like gold link once again playing nice with others and kind of meeting them on their on their turf and later on i think is where you really get the the best example of that would be wayne perry or lukey world someone i was not familiar with absolutely burns the fucking place down yeah
0: that song is a
1: goddamn banger
0: <laughs> yeah i i agree i like i think those rappers really bring such a distinct sound that i was not expecting to hear but the second half when it does pick back up it's usually when they're coming on and just yeah. totally killing it yeah wayne perry is probably with the highlight to me of that and uh, I really liked uh Evian which I think you mm-hmm. chatted out I thought that was good also million him trading verses on raindrops stood out to me a lot yeah. just for the way that they interplayed together um but yeah I think like I just left this being like I, anything gold link seems to be trying even the first couple of songs you mentioned extra clip and 202 like the the distortion actually worked for me just because it Totally caught me off guard and was like, oh, I was not expecting him to go in this direction, and I, it kind of gives this like, I don't know, like I'm trying to think of like a the best way to describe it, like this new age drill type vibe almost to it a little bit. It's like, hmm. like the beat is kind of like you're just riding it, and it's very much like I don't know. It, it just felt like nothing we I had really heard much recently, so it stood out to me. But um any other tracks or moments on the album that you liked? yeah i mean i thought some other songs were okay don't cry or spilled milk uh
1: thump chronicles which again more uk on that one but yeah i, I like the flow Milli feature as you mentioned um on the other hand though like on twin you have rich thing, like why why do you have rich the kid on this like like i it didn't make any sense to me like he's not bringing anything to the table you think yeah. rca could have gave you a little more money to about get someone else like i don't know that i was like like all well, the ambition you had on Diaspora, and even on this, where like Haram clearly not as not as strong as Diaspora, but there's still some th- uh, things tried, some new new ideas, yeah. which is well, all we can ask for. for sure. But why are you wasting a song with Rich the Kid, like <laughs> the, again, one the, the most generic of Atlanta trap rappers there are? Like, yeah, just like there's things you like, and there's things that kind of scratch your head on Haram. But hey, uh, I, I just wish more people were listening to it. Doesn't feel like this
0: is on radar the radar at all no no it doesn't um i wanted to sh- uh talk about wild and lethal crash real quick mostly just because i love hearing santa gold but is there ever a track she's on that doesn't just become a santa gold track like I-, I feel like she just is such a force and such a unique artist that anytime i hear her i'm just like oh this is now a santa gold song and right even the production on that is just like it's glimmery it's glitzy it reminds me of something we've been off her earlier album so
1: then again, there's not a lot of Santa gold features, so you got to give no. him credit.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, I, I give them credit for for trying. So, um, all right, Dave, it's time to to talk about it though. The long awaited her debut album finally dropped. Kind of, kind of from the clouds. So I think she just kind of yeah. announced it on Twitter one night, right? Yeah, I, I did not know this was coming.
1: Um yeah. you, But again, you you look you look on Spotify and there was the self-titled album and the compilation album of the two i used to know her eps no oh, no no those aren't albums dave so we're <laughs> told you know yeah like i feel like her has made such a big jump in the mainstream music world namely just getting tons of grammy love for going on what three grammys at this point obviously yeah. she won a what was it record of the year was it for uh, i can't breathe this year or was it song of the year i forget her and billy won those two awards i forget which one is which but uh obviously that's the song where the the songwriting is yes it must have been uh yeah because the songwriting of that song very uh prescient given everything that happened with uh george floyd and uh protests for uh racial equality uh last year in 2020 not the first song I would have thought of, though, when it comes to that kind of thing. You know, um, The Bigger Picture by Little Baby was certainly more popular, but of course, we're all very privy to something like Walking in the Snow from Run the Jewels. Mm-hmm. Alas, her is the Grammy Darling, so her's the one who wins. But I think, as everyone has acknowledged all along, she's incredibly talented. Oh, yeah. You know, she's a multi instrumentalist, piano, guitar. She writes, she sings, she does everything. She makes songs for movies. She makes songs for herself. She does features. She's everywhere. She's doing everything. And now we have the, the debut album, which I don't feel like serves any added purpose because she has long since debuted. This is one of the very uh, weird old definitions to me.
0: Yeah. So when this dropped, I, I was like, oh yeah, you know her, we've we've talked about her quite a bit. pod. I think we reviewed um, the first half of I used to know her and we just for like you know she's a good artist someone to be looking out for a lot of a lot of talent here and obviously we've talked about her when it comes to awards and then I gotta say whenever she performs at these award shows, she goes off on like a prince like guitar solo and it's just fucking epic and I love it and I'm like yeah, this is why she's anointed by the Grammys because she's base you know she's in line. To be kind of like Prince, where it it feels like she has that potential, or at least to be an artist in that stratosphere. But I gotta say, this debut album, bit of a snoozer for me, Dave. Bit of a snoozer, man. This is tough. I, I that's that's been the
1: thing with me, largely the whole time. It's like I respect the talent, I see the time, like you said, good performer. Yeah. But the problem for me is just the songs aren't there. No, like i can't breathe winning the award on on the sentiment obviously but like no no one really likes that song most people don't even know anything about the song because it's not something you're going to run back and even taking away a message song like that aside like 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 what's the essential her song does anybody know like i i don't know like when i I think of her contemporaries obviously uh female-led r&b is huge right now and there's just people with way more personality in their songs. Like LMI, Georgia Smith, yeah. who we recently discussed, uh, Diana Taylor, heck, like even Summer Walker, who I'm not the biggest fan of, but <laughs> I feel like they're they're kind of comparable in terms of what they sound like to me. Yeah. Like the way her is talked about, it, it's, like, it's like she's on this plane by herself, but I just don't think it's actually coming through in the records.
0: Yeah, so the, when I think of her, the song I think of is the, the track she did with Daniel Caesar from her debut. or that's right. Her debut mixtape, Best Part, that has 700 million streams on Spotify, by far her most popular song. Yeah, so after that that's that, clearly the essential song. Yeah, after that, there's no other, there's no track that tops even 175,000 streams. So for someone that's been anointed, I like you, like you're pointing out, the numbers aren't really there to back it up. And I think it's because as I was listening through this, all this like soft R&B mixed with a little bit of rock here and there, you know, throwing a little guitar mm-hmm. solo, but we know she has the potential to write a song like, like Eve's tumor kerosene. Like she has the chops mm-hmm. to write a guitar lick like that, to just like set your eardrums on fire. And she just kind of seems to fall, like really want to go for this like soft R&B music that she obviously loves. Cause it's all we've heard. And I just want to see her like tap into that performer that she is on stage live. Cause I think there's just so much more here and we get very little of that on the back of my mm-hmm. mind, you know, kind of jumping into it. I, I think for me, um, I enjoyed probably the, the beginning the most. Um, I thought drama with Corday was probably a standout for me. Um, let's see. I thought cheat code was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um process stood out because of the way that she was using the most basic lyrics to rhyme with process you know he's fucking up the progress mm. not worried about the process i was like yeah okay and but probably the, the song i liked the most was uh hold on because at the end she's Really tapping into what I'm talking about, that I want to see from her, which is, you know, she's shredding a little bit more. She's leaning into her guitar chops. It made, it made my ears perk up. You know, second like half of the album, when I was falling asleep. Um, so that one stood out. And then, of course, slide with YG. I mean, that's the song that's gotten a lot of radio play off this, and she did a remix. Um, yeah, who was on that a boogie? I think or something like that. Pop Smoke, a boogie, yeah. and Chris Brown. Other than that, man, I found this to be a big snooze.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you named most of the good ones. You know, I mean, get another Bryce and Tiller feature on here. I don't think it's quite as effective as her first one uh, could have no. been. I like seeing a Cordae feature, of course. But actually, I'm more impressed to see a Young Blue feature on Paradise, seeing him pop up on a major label album after Yours, Mine, Still. Got the big bump with the Drake remix. So that's nice and all. But yeah, I mean, second track features Ty Dolla $ign. Another person who just does what her does on a different level, and yet is Ty Dolla Sign playing a lot of guitar? No, but but he's just making stickier songs, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's what it is, man. I'm sure this is not going to be her best work. Um, and we'll be talking about her obviously a lot. She's going to be around. about her, (laughs) (laughs) but um. Yeah, that I if you it, this is easy listening. Honestly, like it was good to listen to this while I worked. Yeah, it's not offensive. I, it just yeah. doesn't stand out as much as you'd want. And it, I, I I really just hope now that she's been annoyed by the Grammys, this isn't the direction she goes in, which is safe. Like she's really gotta push it for me to feel like she jumps into that stratosphere. Right. But she doesn't care about my opinion. I'm sure. So
1: no, but actually, I think that's why we're both more critical. Is because you see the talent, you see the ability. Right. And you just want to see it manifested at a higher level. So it's a tough love because we expect more.
0: Yes. Don't set the bar so high. If you, I don't know, I don't know that. Yeah. but just don't, speak, don't do that. If you can't do it, you know? Yeah. But speaking of setting the bar high, Tyler, the creator an artist that we talked about in length uh, in our podcast last week, check that out. Uh, Nostalgia on Twitter beats out everything youtube.com
1: slash nostalgia pot tyler the creator albums ranked all six to this point according to tyler bastard is his first album and not a mixtape
0: yes wikipedia
1: they would disagree
0: (laughs) um well you know it's funny because uh when we're talking about an artist that we like expected to be something we talked about with tyler last week when we first heard him, you know, it was very exciting because it was that horror rap, something different. Yeah. We never Shock expected. Fuck yeah, again. exactly. And we never expected him to grow into the artist he is now, which is, you know, boundary pushing. Yep. Uh, I think boundary pushing lyrically and lyrical content as well. There's a, just a lot. And but we both kind of said, what do we expect from... Uh call me if you get lost, which we didn't know the title of at the time. We were we said we expected it to be good, probably not as good as Igor, which was our both our number ones, maybe maybe close to Flower Boy. Man, this might have this might have passed Flower Boy for me because this album fucking rocks. Like holy shit.
1: He did it again, dude. He did it again. I can't it's believe it. It's so good. It. I can't believe it. <laughs> like he's he's taking jump after jump after jump. It's amazing. And in this case, with uh, Call Me If You Get Lost, he brings it all the way back around and drops some fucking rap shit. It's awesome. And it's a gangster Grills mixtape. You got DJ drama all over this thing. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, man. I can't believe it, dude. I, I, um, I was listening to this in some rush hour traffic in the car. Listening in the car, like Tyler likes to do, a man loving of the automobile. Many car references, once again, on this album and from the jump this shit fucking goes and it just hooks you in i was again not knowing what to expect like you know, we heard lumberjack but still i didn't really know what to expect especially coming off igor right but this is a much more in line with some of those loose songs we had gotten of late like uh, potato salad for example it's uh in a uh, best interest stuff like that I, I was so surprised and the feature list right like it's Again, Gangster Girls mixtape. Tyler's creator having NBA Youngboy and
0: 42Doug on his album. What?
1: But it's it, fucking good. It, yeah, oh, my man. God.
0: I love it, dude. It, it On first listen, I was like, wow, this album flows together really well. You know, something that we've heard since Flower Boy. He really has been sequencing and mixing everything together. But I was really just impressed with how chopped together this was and how much he worked in sounds that reminded me of uh action bronson type albums right oh, like yeah. there, there there was just like a moment where i was like this sounds like something actually i'd hear in an action bronson album the next moment it goes into something like lumberjack which is just fucking bass and hard and then it just switches up in the middle and it's so like he's working in samples he's working in these just like moments and then you go into an 8 minute rap song where he's fucking rapping for eight minutes, which we haven't heard him rap long form like that since what, twenty fifteen? I don't even know. Like, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, so it's like then, yeah. he, he, it feels a bit like he's now meshing every aspect of his creativity together. And it's I saw someone say, like I didn't I think it was actually on the Ringer music show, their first reaction to it. They said, yeah. I didn't expect Tyler the creator to kind of morph into the modern Kanye and i feel like that's kind of an apt it's right comparison because he really is starting to blend and push boundaries that like you just don't expect or even think of and then you're we're going to start seeing other rappers doing this it's fucking crazy
1: yeah and the kanye comparison makes so much sense actually because it's back around of tyler as the curator as the producer but also as like the mc kanye yes. very famous for bringing other people into his orbit and having them not steal his songs but fit in with what he's doing on the album. And again, to pull that off with more nascent young men like NBA Youngboy and 42 Doug, I think says a lot to that kind of ability. And again, especially coming off of something like Igor and even Flower Boy, you know, where it's like hip hop was part of the equation, but not all of it. Igor, a lot of pop on that, right? Mm -hmm. But to bring this back around, and like you said, Like he's 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 really rapping on this. There's a lot of like really memorable stuff that comes up, like on Massa, where he just kind of off the cuff tells everyone for the first time that his mom was in a shelter at the time of Yonkers coming out ten years ago. I was really struck by Manifesto, which is awesome, of course, for the Genesis feature, odd Mm -hmm. odd future brothers that they are. But hearing Tyler reckon. As uh was he thirty now thirty one whatever like hearing him now reckon with his past and his past yeah. controversy in terms of people protesting him at his shows because of things he said the being really uh out of pocket online uh about Selena Gomez and how he told her in person how he'd like sorry about all that you know just r- really impressive stuff and I think also not something I expected was when he started talking about the pressure put on him as a public facing black man to speak out about societal issues and Mm -hmm. he kind of i think honestly discusses his thoughts about how he kind of goes both ways with it right i'll go to the protest i'll donate some money then i'll cop a rolls royce or whatever he says like it's uh, only how tyler could say it but it felt really
0: honest yeah no i i agree i think there's memorable lines and you know the songs that you're kind of mentioning are these like uh, pretty much there's two long tracks on this right there's two out two tracks that add up to a total of 18 minutes on here and then after that these are short quick songs where mm-hmm. he's just kind of bringing it and then he's getting out quick you know there's a, like a quick transition at the end and he's on to the next song which i thought worked really well Um, because not only did I think it it really made those two songs like the centerpiece of the album in a sense and you know I thought Sweet I Thought You Wanted to Dance worked for me the first time listening back through it might not be a song I always go to although I do really love when it switches up to I Thought You Wanted to Dance and it's kind of like Dance Holly in a sense the way that he blends that in Um, but I, I thought Wilshire really stood out because not only is it this eight minute rap epic from tyler but in one in the first half he's talking about this relationship with this girl that he you know was uh, dating his friend and he's you know so infatuated with this girl so in love with her that he's willing to risk this friendship willing to you know lose this friend over it and the second half he's questioning himself he's overly analytical and critical of himself and to like see him kind of show these two sides and i feel like he really mixes that in throughout the album you know you hear him talking about oh it's my first time leaving la i'm on a private jet i'm doing and then it just like cuts off to the song you know and the song starts Mm -hmm. he has these other moments where he's like being very boastful about something about himself and then it just like cuts to something else and i feel like that Wilshire really encapsulates what he's trying to do in this album. It's kind of like show these multitudes. How is this person who's affected by fame but also still this person who's figuring things out underneath. It's, it's right. really
1: cool. And also with a song like Wilshire Will Wilshire, whatever it is make, make a mistake about it. Tyler the Creator is a top tier rapper. And just because he wasn't making all that much rap the past few years didn't change that fact. Right. You know, when that uh when the rap rush uh, Mount Rushmore stuff was trending a few weeks back drake Kendrick, pull and who you know nikki thug who is it future tyler's name should have come up more yeah. dropping every other year since 2009 with this much variety and growth who's done that
0: you know uh man it's it's amazing uh for him to become this artist it's just we, awesome no, none of us deserve the person he, or the artist he's become but uh i'll take it yeah. um you mentioned a lot of the tracks you liked, but what are your favorite ones from, from this album?
1: Favorite song? I f- So I, I appreciate a lot of like, the real rap and stuff, but I wouldn't say well, Sure is my favorite song. Just I'm not going to listen to that all that much anymore. Uh, Lemonhead really stands out with Doug because, man, that beat flip when Doug comes yeah. in and he's all distorted, just fucking rules. But I also really loved the beginning when like I was so surprised by what the album was with uh sir uh, baudelaire which is like this alter ego persona tyler's uh playing on with this album and in corso as well yeah mm-hmm. those fucking those songs just go hard man i love yeah. hearing drama on it later on hot wind blows in the beginning drama is like we just touched down switz uh in geneva yeah it's you know, in switzerland <laughs> so fucking funny you know oh man uh yeah man yeah so i would say uh lemonhead's my favorite song i like corso a lot but there's a lot of stuff here and Man manifesto really impressive Ju- and uh mm-hmm. you mentioned juggernaut which you get pharrell williams rapping like it's moved that dope and the other thing doesn't happen all that often
0: yep i have to say juggernaut probably one of my least favorite albums on yeah here, i didn't but... love
1: Uzi too much on it, unfortunately
0: yeah but oh, I, hearing pharrell was like i was my ears perked up um so it's funny because I think the songs that I dug more were some of the, the more groovy ones. So like "What's Your Name," which I shouted at the beginning, um, but it that, that and uh, "Corso," I believe it was, really felt like something you might hear on Action Bronson, but like with like a much better twist and like much more interestingly produced um, somehow. But my favorite song is probably "Rise." Um, I thought that chorus just so catchy um, and it just is a really fun song. Um, I, I can see myself using that in a lot of uh, Instagram stories in the near future. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can enjoy that, but do that also just shout out mama talk. I just thought that was like a really funny thing to interject uh, and, you know, to have his mom who we just talked about a few songs earlier about where she was at, where she is now, you know, he has mentioned before, that he uh, he I forgot which song it was, but he talked about wanting his mom to be there when he wins a Grammy in one of his earlier albums. She was there when he won a Grammy, and now she's on his record, uh telling a story about beating up uh, kids that picked on Tyler or moms <laughs> that of kids that picked on Tyler. So pretty funny stuff. um Anything else on this, man? Where, I guess where where does this fit in your rankings now?
1: Huh. I mean, at minimum, it's top three.
0: Yeah. It's definitely top three.
1: Early to say for for sure, but it's at least top three, which is no easy feat. And like we said when we did our album rankings, which check those out, it uh if Tyler had not made something that was top three, it would have not only been okay, but it would have been understandable because of the rapid pace of his releases, but also the, the keep he keeps taking a step. And it, if he hadn't done that, it would have been okay too. But he did.
0: It's really impressive. Yeah, it's definitely top three for me. Probably number two um right now but have to go back and give flower boy another shot because might just be recency bias but either way check out call me if you're lost but if you get lost but you know dave i wanted to circle back because i was so excited to talk about tyler i skipped over probably the most popular artist we're talking about today definitely doja cat um what's her spotify rank do you know
1: 10 50 oh, yeah. almost 55 million monthly listeners meteoric rise since we talked about her second album hot pink towards the end of 2019 It was clear dojo is becoming a force in both hip-hop and pop but i certainly didn't see her
0: becoming a a-plus lister but she undoubtedly is one now absolutely and you know I, when i think of doja cat i think i just i just think of tiktok man like i feel like ever since i started getting on tiktok i've just heard doja cat every third video that's like yeah
1: streets in particular really that's where i've realized Doja was like really becoming big because say so which was the biggest hit off hot pink that didn't get to number one until the nikki uh remix comes out to push it over but then i saw how long a tail streets add which was really just an album cut And like you see that how popular that song was on TikTok, and it's like I don't know, Deja Cat just like made a made an impression and become a full fledged real artist after having some meme inducing beginnings with a song like "Moo," right? Like just to to get to this point uh, is, is really funny. But yeah, you're right. Like she she is one of the the artists of TikTok without question. She has so many
0: major TikTok hits yeah and you know listening through planet her her third album i feel like that you know there's there's some moments on here that i'm like wow these songs are really good totally get it um like i think it really starts off hot i thought woman and naked totally catchy caught my ear i was with those but then there's a there's some other moments that i just didn't find as interesting especially some big moments i expected to be more taken by something like I don't do drugs with Ariana felt totally flat for me Her, wow. you know, you write with the weekend. I wasn't as caught by, but there is just something about, I think her delivery and just her persona as an artist that comes through where it's just like, she just, she just sounds very cool. And like, she's not trying too hard, but it really works. And like, I, it just is catchy. And I feel like even the songs I didn't like, I get why, they stick for people but it sounds like you liked the ari song
1: yeah so I, i'm with you on you right the weekend song the weekend just didn't make this big enough impression for me i was a little surprised by that but i really liked i don't do drums with ari reminded me a lot of met him last night ari's feature on the demi lovato album earlier this mm. year i just felt like a really good pairing Doja in general really plays well with others both as a guest and on her own songs but i love I love love the harmony they have there. I love Doja's performance on it. I thought Ari sounded really good. Uh, and I think honestly that that's just another example of, I think Ariana has like this a lot of untapped potential just as doing these like banger features because like she's doing a lot on these right like she's she's harmonizing on the hook. she's also doing her own own verse and then you have Doja doing what Doja does a lot, which is both make real pop and real hip-hop at the same time so yeah i like that song a lot but it, it already definitely doesn't steal it from doja this is an album that i was impressed with how kind of seamless it sounds and yeah um, remains to be seen if there's like as many quote hits on this the way there were big like real hits on hot pink but it, it's definitely a step up in terms of like an album construction sense because she just sounds like super, you know, comfortable on this, right? Like it is this, and I think that's just because Doja has so much baked in versatility as performer at this point that yeah. she can really just bounce around on these songs and do something that's like really, really, uh, really just hip hop, like get into it. Yeah. Which has like that really awesome, like uh, call and response kind of section. And then she can make like these much more silkier pop songs and she does both really well.
0: Yeah, she does. And, you know, I would never have thought about her in this way, but just, you know, someone like Cardi, Meg, Nikki, I mean, her rapping ability is right up there. I feel like with them, maybe not, they might be like tier A and she's like upper tier B, but yeah, yeah, she really can spit a good verse, you know, like something like get into it. Yeah. I, I really thought he flowed really well in that i I'm was really impressed with that. I thought that was a really good song. Um, and I think for me, you know, I just in kind of thinking about the moments in the album that worked. I really like it when I really, I think vibe more with the Doja Cat songs that are more upbeat. I think that's why I really liked woman and naked. something that's a little bit more poppy. Um, you know, I don't do drugs. It's a little bit more toned back. It almost feels like something from Ari's recent album yeah. in a sense, which yeah. is kind of funny, but yeah, I really like this. Me More with SZA. That's another song that's going around TikTok right now and yep, it's just it. sticky. So, I agree. I think there's a lot to like here. I'm I'm impressed with the artist she's become because I if you had asked me probably 2 years ago, I would've been like, yeah, she's a she's a TikTok artist, like, you know, it's right. a little bit above that because her, you know, we talked about Hot Pink and yeah. I think we both thought there was more there, but yeah, I wasn't really totally taken by her, but this this changed my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kissed Me More uh, as uh, the lead single off this album impressed me a lot because that's another example of Doja doing both things at once. It's like a completely a pop song, but she also has like a really awesome rap breakdown in it too. Mm-hmm. And I actually think SZA is almost a little redundant on that song because Doja is <laughs> doing so much already. Like By the time SZA comes in, it's like, you know, almost besides the point. But and, and also, like this album coming out when it did, her third album, it's been a little over a year since uh, Hot Pink, but Doja has been so omnipresent this whole time. I was not expecting her to release a bunch of brand new stuff quite this soon, because she had really just been coasting off yeah. Hot Pink for, for a year plus. Uh, but then again, I guess that that's being smart, because now she's going to stick around for another year with all the yep. stuff on this so yeah it's cool to see the level up for sure and it's also i guess funny sad whatever interesting to see how any controversy any misquote any uh goof she does has said in the past currently just bounces off her she's so popular so successful
0: yeah and uh that's you know just to mention she did she does have three songs uh produced by dr luke on this yeah, album say so is, as um, well. yeah so it's you know she doesn't shy away from the controversy I, I will say i don't think the dr luke songs are any of the more memorable ones no. which he's still using one the of fake is, name
1: for that right he was doing that on hot bank
0: uh it's he's at least on wikipedia he's listed as dr luke oh wow so. okay yeah he's
1: using like a pseudonym on hot ping, i guess at this point it's like he it doesn't give a fuck neither does shane clearly and also yeah. people eat it up so mm-hmm. people are talking um, what it is
0: but yeah i mean doja cat of course to be reckoned with and uh we'll be putting you know a song from each of these albums onto our uh, spotify nostalgia best of 2021 playlist so check that out it's in the show notes but let's move on to tv and, you know, talking, we'll talk about all artists that we've talked about today. We're talking about Lupin, man. And uh, part two finally came out. We really enjoyed this uh, French television series that was on Netflix starring Omar Sy. And I think what we liked about the first five episodes was, you know, the, the episodes felt kind of bottle episode-ish in a way. Like there was always like a, a scheme going on, a, a task with like an overarching, you know, lupin or uh what's his name Diop versus
1: sandiop yeah versus
0: yeah uh, big fan the of sketch.
1: austin Lupin yes
0: and uh it just felt like this part 2 didn't have the same Je ne sais quoi I don't hmm. know if that's the right way to say it but it yeah. just didn't catch me the same something felt a little bit uh, not as exciting what how did you feel about it
1: i completely agree and it, it's kind of interesting to think about how unusual lupin part one and two are because part one comes out in early january unexpected nothing really else to watch at the time apart from like bridgerton and it's a surprise hit and it's the most successful french show on netflix by leaps and bounds Mm -hmm. and part two comes out six months later had already been filmed at the time part one released and yet part two really is just part one part two it, it, it's like we just paused where part one stops and we picked it right back up it's like we divided a season this is not really a season two it's the second half of the first season still right. and by splitting it like this i, I mean when i first started watching again i was like trying to remember the narrative like I, because yeah. the show really started focusing on plot and I actually think that was a, a negative because part two really just is obsessed with plot, 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 uh, in terms of Assane trying to thwart and then uh, you know take down uh, Pellegrini, the central villain. And it kind of gets away from the best parts of Lupin Part One, which is those first few episodes, where it's it feels sm- like smaller stakes, but it's really just more grounded in Omar C's performance as a son in terms of his charm the gentleman thief the Lupin character like it's right it, it it's you know the heists the the trickery of it all and then in part two like towards the end him and his boy have like a magic smartphone app that unlocks doors like it, it just felt like we kind of lost it lost well what, what the, the the best parts of the, the show were yeah. thankfully Omar sees such such a charismatic performer he has a great presence whenever he's around which is almost every scene that it's still like fun but i i was let down by how like obsessed with the convoluted plot it became like uh, the the flashbacks we get in part two completely inconsequential you know and Mm -hmm. they're just kind of like almost a lazy way to convey future
0: twists you know yeah no i i agree i think you summed it up well because i found myself just kind of wanting him to have one of those moments where he, I don't know, was in some random place on the television show, dressed up as an old man. And like, why mm-hmm. is he, you know, why is he doing this? Or you do get a few of those moments, right? Like um in one of the episodes, he's dressed as like a cook, you know, at one point, and he mm-hmm. uses that as a way to get into, uh, I forgot what it was. I think it was the, um uh, the opera thing. Cause the opera thing or the, the concert thing, he dressed up as that like security person and then he runs mm-hmm. away. But yeah. Yeah, it. I just I think I cared way more about the Lupin stuff and like the the mystery, the like sleight of hand, and a lot less about the Asan, the ops stuff. And when it's all about Asan and not as much about Lupin anymore, even though people could say they're one the same, I just didn't find it as interesting. I also was just curious about his apartment like you know he's got this like back room with all these costumes and stuff like <laughs> yeah how does he afford that like what is it didn't he just like get out of prison and, like
1: yeah out? i was like you must have and then they, they, and then you get i think like cool like set moments where he has like a, a safe house set up in a uh, storage mm-hmm. locker that's a cool idea then that also happens to be over a catacombs entrance right I love I like both parts for the how they play with Paris where you're largely in Paris the whole time and in part two you get a lot of you know uh, memorable stuff once again we're in the uh, Musée d'Orsay a little bit where you see the the sign constantly uh, mm-hmm. the catacombs of course uh, the Arc he drives the Vespa around the Arc de Triomphe like it, it, we're, we're, it's some Paris shit you know um, and that's always fun but yeah it uh it definitely left me wanting and like now thinking about it like when it comes to like making my like list like for the end of year. Like Lupin part 1 is definitely one of my favorite shows of the year. <laughs> yeah. But do I have to consider both of them as one piece? Because if so, it's getting a severe downgrade because it, it's <laughs> it's just not as strong.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um man, that'll be a question we'll have to answer similar to uh you Know the movie versus TV right. debate last year, so oh god, uh, small acts, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know, definitely a disappointment, but I, d- I do think the first episode back that like chase episode was pretty fun, although mm-hmm. I-, I don't really know if I understand all the mechanics of that. You know, uh, the house was a little confusing at the end for me, like who was in what place, how to get to the yeah. car and stuff, but yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, disappointing, but. I, th- I think Lupin part one, like you said, something to treasure from this year. Nice surprise. So.
1: Right. So we I know part it's... Three's on the way. I just hope. What is it? Leave Pellegrini?
0: Yeah.
1: Let's just something new. Even if it's like a more, you know, big narrative again with like a central villain or something. Just do something a little different. And man, I mean, honestly, like the show on the show probably peaks in the very beginning when he steals the necklace. Yeah. In the, in that the was so like That was amazing. <laughs> that like completely yeah. hooks you in. And if we could find a way to get back to that DNA, uh, I think you'd win everyone back really fast.
0: Yeah, you know, this doesn't feel like a show that needs that overarching villain, though. It feels no. like it could just do five episodes, different stories, and like right. and you One have story. this central
1: performance that's so magnetic, you have an yep. amazing setting, you know, like and the whole like Lupin exists in the world of the show thing. You have so much going for it already. Yeah, I don't think you need to worry about like heavy plot, no question. No, for sure
0: um dave why don't we shift gears quickly get it shift gears the (laughs) fast nine strap yourself in we're going to the moon with uh jeff bezos 26 million (laughs) dollars just to sit next to him i think it was something like that right for like 11 minutes whatever that was it's about right yeah um but yeah fast nine man tell me about it
1: fast nine the 10th movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. Crazy though we've gotten to this point, but uh here we are. And uh this is a movie that's been out overseas, namely in Asia for over a month, about 6 weeks at this point, doing very well and we j- just released in the US and the UK this past weekend setting new US box office records along the way 70 million which actually outgrossed Hobbs and Shaw's opening weekend notably that was not during any semblance of covid so a strong star at the box office for f9 and makes universal look smart from immediately delaying the film a year basically as soon as covid began and i think for me i'm a fan of the fast and furious franchise i feel like most people that go to these movies at this point is a fan of them or doesn't care about like they're just kind of like a casual fan of movies you know it's like oh i'll go see fast nine i haven't seen like six of the other ones but i'll see this anyway because it's a big budget blockbuster and i like the big screen you know like i don't think anyone goes into these movies with like grand like like critical expectations but it's actually really funny to look back on how the fast and furious franchise has evolved over 10 movies and also how uh, like four quadrants it is it's a a very diverse fan base just like it has a very diverse cast and now getting fast nine uh i think just bluntly it's not as strong as like the recent run of level up that fast did when we got fast five six and furious seven we're not at that point anymore and i think we have to accept that we're not at that point anymore probably a big part of that is just that walker is no longer with us we don't have brian anymore so the sh- the, the the movies just are kind of lacking a certain piece but this is still over the top crazy shit that you expect from recent fast movies so if that's what you'd like this really delivers on that but there is a lot of brainless shit uh <laughs> and it's it's it, it, it's an it's not as good as five six or seven so uh it's actually spurred a lot of interesting conversation i think in terms of people thinking the uh, there's a two-part finale that they're gonna i believe start shooting in about a year uh, next january so uh, so fast 10 and 11 or 10 part one and two uh the end yeah they're they're ending the main the main fast and furious story anyway and I, it's, it's spurred a lot of interesting conversations will we'll, we'll fast downshift and bring wow. it all back around. Will we actually get around to the racing and stuff and smaller scale? Because at the end of the day, this is not a, this is not a franchise about street racing. It's also not a franchise about uh, the crazy action. Even though we've had a lot of, it's been all action for the past ten years. It's it's a soap. It's it's about it's about yeah. family, like the cliche. It's about the characters, and I think it would be really effective to all the hardcore fans if. They they actually switch it up and, and slow it down at the very end. We'll see, but yeah, this is um, it's a lot like uh, the Fate of Furious, the last main main entry, where it's kind of brainless, but you're kind of there for the character moments at the end of the day, and you hope the big set pieces hit. And we don't, I don't think like the set pieces in this are as good as some of the other ones of late. But there's some cool stuff with magnets. I like that, you know, like magnets pulling fucking up cars and stuff, you know, magnets. Know.
0: Oh. Yeah, I mean, shout out Jesse. Uh, what's his last name on Breaking Bad? I don't even remember Jesse Pink- Pinkman. Pinkman. Yeah, science. Bitch. Jesse Plemons, and I was like, that's the wrong one. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, so they actually do go to space in this one, right?
1: Yeah, uh, Roman and uh, Tej, uh, Ludacris and Tyrese, they do go to space with the help of the Tokyo Drift crew, who make a, a complete return. Lucas Black, wow. Bow Wow, and uh, the other guy, I forget his name. Yeah. So that was a cool moment. Unexpected. Uh, yeah. yeah. They go to space. And I actually like that. that that's too, that's a funny thing too. That's been like a joke, a cliche about fast. You keep making it bigger and bigger. The only thing you have left to do is go to space. Right. It doesn't completely land. It, it's not, uh, not as cool as you'd think. Hmm. So that's a little disappointing to me, which is why, like, again, like at this point we don't have to get any bigger. I actually think there's a lot more to gain if we get smaller one more time at the end but yeah they do go to space they they, they actually did it like unironically <laughs> they did it
0: you know it's it's funny though because as you're talking about it what is it going to you know kind of revert back for this these final two movies uh something a little smaller i think one of the things that i, I believe from the podcast i've listened to about this seems like fast five is like when things start to really start like upping the ante every time and really move away from the racing more to like them. Just kind of doing these superhero esque things, and really at this point, it is like a soapy superhero movie. You know, mm-hmm. people die and come back. These guys are like ramming cars into each other, jump jumping cars up the into the air. To the cars gravity. never break. Yes, it's amazing. But um, I, I feel like it, eventually it, they they need to come back down to earth. Uh, but for real, like they they can't keep going bigger because there's literally nothing more that they really can do. <laughs> And still, really call it the fast franchise. But I was kind of wondering, like, what even are the essentials of the fast franchise at this point? Obviously, like family. You have what Vin Diesel needs to be there, and then after that, it feels like you can just kind of like fit things in. Like they have such a big cast at this point; it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, yeah. feel I mean, feel like Dom and, and Letty, Vin Diesel, and Michelle Rodriguez—they're probably the two central components. But like you said, the cast has ballooned, and I actually kind of buried the lead here the cast got even bigger again because they brought han back to life yeah. and god I, I really wish it was a surprise they they spoiled it in the trailer yeah and we also due to covid we're sitting with that for a year plus
0: mm-hmm.
1: so how did they bring that, him back what did they say and that that's the thing they kind of yada yada, yada yet yeah. they like, oh uh, uh, <laughs> kurt russell faked his death he's back but like Sung kang as han is a great great presence and i'm really excited to see more of him in 10 and 11 yeah. but yeah, they kind of yada yada it, and I wish it was hidden. But on the other hand, Jordana Brewster gets more action than she's had in the past. Um, and you know, speaking to something you mentioned before about how they're like basically superheroes at this point, there's actually a, a kind of uh, rotating or a revolving bit meta bit by Roman, where he's basically saying like, "Yo, we're like invincible. Look at me, not a scratch on me. They, I, all these guys shoot at me." no bullet holes like it's actually (laughs) hilarious and like in general roman's a really funny character but yeah i uh I, i mean obviously you have to know what your expectations are for the franchise when you watch these movies um and i think the the weakest thing for me with this is there's a lot of flashbacks to uh dom and his now revealed estranged brother played jacob played by john cena uh, there's a lot of flashbacks to their past and like like i said it's really soapy like we got a lot of dom family past stuff in this and some of it works some of it doesn't i think the probably the biggest sin with f9 is that the set pieces just don't quite reach the heights of some of the really famous ones like furious 7 they jumped a car through a, a skyscraper which was in the trailer and then when you watch the movie, you realize then they drove through us into a second skyscraper and it was fucking amazing. Like fast five, of course the, 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 the uh, bank vault thing when it's being towed by the truck, but there's some really famous stuff. Yeah. This like, I guess the best set piece is, apart from the generic man stuff is like the best set piece was when Don like hooks his car to a rope bridge, like slingshots him and Letty. But that was also in the trailer.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I, I I saw that. So right. You know, it's it's interesting and as we're thinking about superheroes, and obviously we're always thinking about superheroes in terms of Marvel DC. Could you see them with taking this huge cast after they finish these next two movies almost being like, All right, Dom and Letty gets the their own spin off and then we're gonna have this these two kind of do their own mm. thing and they're all gonna have their kind of different movies and they might come back together in like, mm. I don't know, another ten years or something like
1: right. that. Right. Well, obviously, we already started that in a certain sense on Hobbs and Shaw yeah. spinoff. And there's a lot of rumblings about a female led spinoff to come. Yeah. And you think about it, I-, I love the idea because the female cast in Fast is fucking stacked. Obviously, yeah. Michelle Rodriguez and Jordan Brewster will be there a lot as central characters. You also have Helen Mirren and Charlize Theron yep. and Vanessa Kirby from Hobbs and Shaw and Natalie Emanuel, of course, Ramsey. Um, you know, from Game of Thrones. And then you could try and bring someone back like Eva Mendez. Like uh there, there, there's a there's a lot of potential, I think, with the with the female led cast. So that would be cool. Uh yeah, oh yeah. So another thing too, they the fast nine universe. universe, colon, the fast saga, they started calling it the fast saga. They are know. not letting this shit die, even if they end their main films. That is abundantly obvious. And for, for universal. And you know what? I don't mind, because think about it, Fast and Furious. Is the only like completely original franchise there is right now, you know? This shit came into being at the turn of the millennium, and is still going as a top tier franchise. Everything else has a lot more history as IP, right?
0: So mm-hmm. I say keep it going. Do we gotta do? Make that money. <laughs> yeah. Just a quick question. Uh, behind you, I see Charlize Theron. Is this from the F fa- Nine? This this poster? Yes. yeah. She has a new haircut in F Nine. F Eight notably
1: she had uh dreads and this time she has a very strange bowl cut and she's I really, not in the movie a lot it's it's kind of she was probably on set for two days and nice callback i guess because she's like trapped in like a box at one point it's like a glass box very reminiscent of uh, when magneto is in uh the, the the glass prison in x-men 2
0: i just yeah. appreciate charlie's uh taking the challenge to find. The worst haircut possible, and see if she's still the most attractive woman in the world. Done it she's. twice. Definitely is. Yeah, still works. <laughs> Anyways, uh, why don't we wrap up today's episode talking about Pixar's newest movie, Luca, you know, taking place um, in Italy, notably uh, the Max Italian city of, starring Luca Doncic. Not that Luca <laughs> Porto Rosso. Uh, Luca Doncic Doncic for uh, going to be a Austin Celtic in the future after he oh, leaves no. the Mavs. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jalen Brown, and all the picks, just just do it. But, anyways, um, yeah. So, Luca is. I was watching this movie and I went in with the expectations that Pixar going global, you know, already at Coco, um, right. but, you know, continuing its venture around the world, pulling different cultures. I expected this to be. Maybe in that Coco territory. You know, it's basically a little mermaid, uh, you know, in Pixar's version, kind of.
1: Literally a fish out of water. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: um, and this ended up feeling very much like B list Pixar to me, even though I think, I think it's like, obviously the animation is great. I think some of the voice performances jack DeL- grazer who we just talked about yeah he could who we haven't talked about in a while but shout out room you know uh yeah he's good, uh good.
1: getting older he's he's which which is nice he's 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 a grown up
0: yeah so I, I think there's some uh some good parts of it but overall i just felt like this was a bit disappointing because i think i went in with really high expectations how mm. how did you feel about luca
1: yeah so i i like it and I actually quite appreciate it because of how different it is from some of the other stuff we've got for Pixar recently. Once again, it's an original, brand new Pixar iteration, which is nice to see. We've had that a lot recently, Coco, Onward, Soul, and before that, we had there'd been some, you know, concern showing about Pixar becoming a bit of a sequel factory, you know, Incredibles 2, Finding Dory, Toy Story mm-hmm. 4, and we always expect Pixar for great original stories and just kind of being one of the few places that we know can continue to give us original stories convincingly because they're part of the Disney machine and these movies will be successful regardless of if they're IP or not. And just to get a new, an- another original one again, uh, I appreciate, but I think you're right. This is a lot like Onward. This is, yeah. you know, it's just solid. There are some very familiar Pixar storytelling beats regarding the coming of age of our lead protagonist but i also appreciated how more straightforward it was for a kid's film we Mm -hmm. love soul soul is existential as fuck luca is not luca is just a coming-of-age story about some kids yeah and that's cool too
0: yeah no i i agree i think this is this is kind of the way pixar seems to be going right now right where it's like they do one movie a year that's straightforward. Kids can definitely mesh with and made for them more. And then they do one that's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more heady, makes you think a little bit more. And this year, what's the one they have coming out? Uh, man. Then uh, Columbia. It's that uh, Miranda's doing the music for. It. I can't remember exactly. Uh, so I'm going to look at
1: them. Are you thinking of Encanto? Yes. So I actually thought that was Pixar too. That's actually just Disney animation. So huh. they don't have another one coming out this year. The next Pixar movie is t- turning red in March, 2022. And then the Buzz Lightyear prequel
0: light year in June, 2022. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I had that wrong folks, but yeah, so did I in my head. Yeah. But you know, um, I-, I didn't mind this so much because I just like you, I agree that this really works just as, you know, a very straightforward movie. I think it's beautiful and seeing like the Italian coast animated like this is just like mm. amazing. I really liked like working in biking and things like that from culture. And I gotta say like, there are some really funny bits to this. I really liked when, uh, Maya Rudolph playing the mom goes, uh, looking for Luca and, oh, yeah. uh, it's just beating all the kids up playing soccer. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, <laughs> one cup a kid. Okay.
1: Yeah, we got that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and I gotta say, this might be like the best kid villain I can remember in these Pixar movies. Cause I, I hated that kid, man. I hated yeah, He it. sucked <laughs> worse. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's, it's a clear
1: reproduction of the Cinque Terre in Italy. The Italian Riviera looks gorgeous, looks just like Vernazza in particular. Um, and that, and that's, that's really cool. Um, like you said, Coco, clearly Mexico getting i believe turning red as an asian influence if i remember right and I'm, I'm not sure uh but that's cool to see again pixar getting uh more diverse in their storytelling uh, of course soul featuring their first yep. uh lead black character you know given pixar's behind the scenes history with john Lasseter and you know just being a boys club in general it's nice to see uh pixar under p doctor having a i think wider view of how they operate but also the storytelling they're doing and i, th- I think in this one my favorite thing was the, the bit about like, the vespa the desire to have a uh, a scooter you know it actually it gave me fomo because i almost rented a scooter once in europe and i didn't do it and then when i was watching this movie i was like ah fuck i should have rented the scooter when i was there damn <laughs> dave i mean
0: it, what was the reason not to
1: i don't know um yeah, I mean, I was confident in my abilities to drive it, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't do it. Should have done it. Um mm-hmm. fun.
0: N- Next time, Dave, you and uh, you, you can spa. find a friend and you can be like Aziz and his friend. Yeah,
1: but, uh, master done.
0: <laughs> um Yeah, you know, I think one of the other parts of this movie that I just really liked was um, it felt like they really like drove home certain aspects that uh in other movies didn't work as well for me like i really thought the um uh, i guess like the comedy around the like hiding of things in this really worked like when they were training for the bike thing and they would like fall in the water and having to like hide that and how they would like work that out really worked for me sometimes i would find that like stupid or corny and something like onward i'm trying to think of like a good example from that that maybe didn't work as well for me But those always found I found that to be enjoyable and just seeing the like animation of like the transformation was really cool. Um, The only thing that really didn't sit well with me is uh, Alberto's whole thing with his dad felt kind of like rushed. It's like it's mentioned and then alluded to, but then they have the fight where Luca kind of denounced him as a friend and yeah, I I love the fight by the way like yeah, when he, like great.
1: he gets, he stabs him in the back basically that I thought that was really yeah. really well done because yeah. leading up to me. that Alberto's kind of like grating he's like getting yeah. jealous and stuff but then Luca just stabs him in the back at the worst moment like mm-hmm. I thought that was handled well I thought so too
0: but then you know the the reveal that like his dad hasn't been around which I think everybody kind of saw coming oh, yeah. um just felt like it really wasn't like elaborated on or touched on um and then at the end he's just kind of like oh i'm just gonna stay with this you know her dad uh, that's the thing which i, I was kind of like oh okay i guess that 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 works but i felt like that wasn't totally um wasn't fully baked for me in some sense but yeah it's just a small nitpick honestly sure it was enjoyable yeah in terms of like
1: so i liked how it starts i so got the whole pre- uh cons premise the concept of these like mermaid s sea creatures being like fish shepherds i thought was really funny but overall the underwater stuff ended up being quite undercooked because underwater undercooked is because we end up leaving it so fast and the world's largely largely left um i also thought the fantastical sequences like when they're in the vespa and like the glider where it's like those kind of took me out of it because they kind of fell out of nowhere to me and also didn't add a whole lot to it like I, I thinking back like pixar has those kind of frequently in movies but in, in this and luca I, I don't know if they added too much also one thing i noticed too um just meta wise it's kind of funny to see a story at one of these uh sea you know fishing towns like this because notably there is not a flood of tourists in this movie and in real life these places largely unfortunately are uh, subsumed by tourists and depend on that kind of tourist income so i actually like this idealistic setting of uh kind of what it used to be you know
0: yeah no i i agree um you know dave uh, some people online couldn't help but point out how alberto and luca looks a lot like elio and oliver from call yeah. you by your name another movie set in uh you know italy well what, what do you think about that any thoughts Here to comment
1: yeah, I mean I, I see I see the comp, you know? Yeah. Uh Pixar has really never made a nod to a same-sex relationship at all. Mm-hmm. And I still don't think they've really nodded at it here.
0: No, definitely not.
1: But the vibes are very similar. Sure. And I don't think we're getting a call me by your name sequel anymore, given what's happened to Army Hammer. So no. we'll take any uh, call me by your name inspiration we can find
0: <laughs> yeah so i i'm very much in line with you i don't think there's they're necessarily like nodding at it directly but maybe a, a short homage so who knows but anyways luca you know it's if you have disney plus which most people are or at least more people are getting now check it out it's uh worth the two right. hours I yeah said.
1: i would say this is kind of a tough hit for theaters man it would have been nice if this also got released in the, in, in theaters Could get this thing yeah. to happen to Seoul. Just because, you know, um, animated movies do well at the box office. Families like to go. And I'm sure families are very thankful to get this for free and they can occupy yeah. their kids with it for a long time for free. But it would have been nice if this could, make, could have made some money at the box office. But uh, on the other hand, we've had now three Pixar originals in a year and three months. That's never happened before.
0: Yeah, I know. It's, they're they're pumping them out. So anyways, Dave, we gotta wrap up there. This podcast is running long. But what should we listen to or watch for next week?
1: Yeah. A24 Zola hitting theaters. Very excited about that. Sundance hit back in 2020. Also the Tomorrow War, big blockbuster starring Chris Pratt. Paramount sold to Amazon. That'll be available on Amazon. And of course, probably most anticipated of all no sudden move the latest steven soderbergh movie with a stack cast it will be on hbo max so let's go and maybe Lon del rey is releasing an album called blue banisters on the 4th of july who the hell knows
0: uh yeah we'll, we'll see uh, I, if lana wants to take a little time i don't need the album let's put it there but yeah we just anyways i know <laughs> um at nostalgia pod on twitter soundcloud.com and youtube.com slash nostalgia pod we'll catch you next week